Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by CatholicSingles.com is ringing in the new year with savings for singles. You can save 20% by using the promo code BREADBOX when you register for a new account. Come meet other faithful Catholics and make 2020 a year to remember. Praised be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. I'm Alexandra Sullivan. And I'm Father Connolly. Welcome to Raising Saints, Helping Kids Hear God's Voice. We're a priest and a mom who are eager to do our best to answer kids' questions about God, the church, the faith, and more. Most importantly, to help them to grow in their relationship with God and ultimately hear His voice. So Sister Marie, I'm so um, encouraged by your story and, and, and uh, grateful to you for sharing it. But especially, I think, um, something that's been on my mind and my heart lately thinking about our kids is life can be pretty scary for kids. And I think sometimes we adults forget that, right? We get sort of into our own uh, chaos of life, but we forget that the kids are experiencing this too, and that they're not too young to experience the the, the hardship, the, the you know, um, and the different challenges that life brings them. Uh, they're just as human as we are. Um, so, for our children to know it's okay, right? That God is with them. He is that one who's always with them, who's always listening, attentive to their every need. Also, for them to be aware of what are those crooked lines in their lives. Mm. You know, we could just look at the crookedness of, of life. And um, I can remember several times as a child um, when things seemed really crooked in any particular moment, you know, sort of screaming into my pillow and why can't I have a normal life? And why we could stay there or we could step back and say, but God writes straight with these crooked lines. I love that. I just love that. That's um, sort of an answer to prayer that, that you would say that this morning. So thank you. Um, a few other things that you mentioned that I want to expand on a little bit. So a few key words, right? You mentioned the sisters of the resurrection. Um, I'd love to hear from you a little more about who are the resurrection sisters. You also mentioned the word charism. Uh, that might be a new word for a lot of us. So could you talk uh, just a little bit about who are the Resurrection Sisters? What is your charism? What is a charism in general? Uh, and also as a Resurrection Sister, you've mentioned that you were teaching in a girls' high school. Now, of course, you're here at St. Columba, our Director of Religious Education. Um, being a Resurrection Sister, how is that affected your life? What are some of the things you've been able to do as a result, as part of not only your community's charism, but just Sister Marie's life as a resurrection sister? So you're talking about like ministry. What do right. I do? So first of all, the sisters, of, I say to people when they ask, you know, what kind of sister are you? I say, 
Well, I belong to the community that um, every every good uh, Christian is going to join at the end. And they go, no, no, I don't want to be a sister. Or they'll go, no, I'm married. And I'm like, yeah, but at the end, you'll be joining my community. And they're looking at me like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. At, to you. <laughs> at the end, everybody wants the resurrected life. We want to joy. We want the joy of heaven and the glory that is... Um, Ours because we'll be with the angels and saints, with Jesus himself who is glorified. And so we're, that's where we're all headed to um, eternal glory. So I always say, I just got an early start by joining the Sisters of the Resurrection. So I think you know from my story, I became a Sister of the Resurrection because those were the sisters who uh, were teaching me at an age when I was able to um, enter the convent. So um, had I stayed at my former school before I went to live with my dad, I would have been a Dominican sister with a beautiful cream white habit. <laughs> but that's not what God had in mind for me. And God doesn't think what we, he doesn't even care what we wear. He's really looking at our hearts all the time. So what we look like or what we wear doesn't matter to him at all. And what matters is what he sees in our hearts. And that's, that went well for me. So the Sisters of the Resurrection, I learned, actually, I learned when I was in school in New York City. I did learn a little bit of their story, but I really learned their story once I joined the Sisters of the Resurrection. And we are the only religious community in the entire church and all of its 2020 years who was founded by a mother and daughter together. Mm. So it is for us as Sisters of the Resurrection, very important part of our inheritance, the mother-daughter relationship. And we like to foster that relationship. So Celine Borzenska, she was, she grew up in Poland and she uh, married. She, she was wealthy. Her family owned a, a whole village and were responsible for it. And so her parents, in keeping with the customs, um, were responsible for arranging a marriage for her. When she was 18 years old, she made a retreat under the direction of a bishop, which tells you how uh, well-to-do they were, and also responsible in the community. Therefore, the bishop was guiding this family and their children. So Celine, at the age of 18, made a retreat under the direction of a bishop, and uh, her parents were they were Polish. They were very uh, faith-filled. And so she grew up learning to pray and turning her heart to Jesus. And on this retreat, she discerned more than anything else, she wanted to give her whole heart, her whole life to Jesus. And so she shared this with the bishop. Uh, Jesus is calling my heart to him. And I want to give myself totally to him, no one else. And the bishop nodded his head as bishops do. And he said, I've spoken to your parents as well. And you know that they also are very prayerful people. And they have shared with me that they have discerned um, that you are to marry Joseph Borzenska. And this came as a surprise, you know, here she was discerning. And he said, if you had different parents, if they were not so close to God, I might counsel you differently. But it is my uh, recommendation that you take this to prayer and consider the fact how loving and responsible your parents are 
and that God may be calling you to do exactly what they have planned to give yourself to Joseph, also an upright man. And she does this with a very, very, very heavy heart. So if you read her diaries, and she was very good about keeping journals, you see how heavy her heart is. But she so wanted to do what God wanted. So she really loved God. And although it opposed what she thought God was calling her to. She just wanted to do whatever God wanted. So she does marry and she gets pregnant four times, but only two of the children survived pregnancy. Well, actually the the four children were born, but two of them died shortly after death. And her namesake was Celine, and she was the first one to survive. And then her youngest daughter in Polish, it would be Jadwiga, Um, But in English, we translated Hedwig, no relation to Harry Potter, though. Um, And her older daughter marries and has a family of her own. And Celine and the younger daughter end up uh, establishing this community. And it's so interesting, the humanity of all of it, because Celine's namesake was more like her. Um, Celine was the mother, was very gregarious and what she felt she talked about. And so you always knew what was going on inside of her. But her youngest child, um, Hedwig, was apparently more like the father, much more of an introvert. And this would try Celine's patience because she never knew what was going on in, in Hedwig's head. And so the two who by temperament were very different. And sometimes there was, you know, this lack of close bonding because the mother couldn't figure her daughter out, which happens, you know, that you have different temperaments. It's these two who join forces together, but not because they deliberately set out to do it. The father becomes very ill. And this little storyline we hear in like Mother Seton, Elizabeth Seton. And so she goes to seek medical help for him and Celine brings her husband to Italy where they have better uh, doctors, or at least she believed they did, and he dies there. So she has the two girls with her, her namesake, Celine, and uh, little Hedwig, and they, they remain there in Italy for a while, and they start going to St. Claude's in Rome, still existing there, and they seek, they go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a Catholic family would, you know, on a regular basis. And they're being directed by Father Peter Semenenko, who is one of the three founders of the Fathers of the Resurrection, the community of men who preceded us by 50 years. So independently, he's hearing confessions of a young girl and and the mother. And the mother is sharing her grief as well as her sins of the loss of her husband and she's responsible for her daughters. And in the midst of sharing, she also shares that when she was young, she so wanted to give her, her life and her heart to God and her life didn't unfold that way. And so the priest suggests that, you know, if God placed that desire in your heart and if it hasn't gone away, it may be that in some way, remember I said, God writes straight with crooked lines. It's in our community too. In some way, he intends to fulfill it, but who knows how? And then Father Peter uh, shares with her, you know, I myself would like to establish a community of women who would um, 
live the same charism, spirituality that we live, because in our society today, you know, we're talking about the equality of men and women. It's important that we have a female um, community who will help us and serve the women of society as we serve the men to raise up society. So both the men and the women are called, believe themselves to be called by our history and the circumstances when we came into existence, that we need to resurrect society through the ministry of the faith. Now, the men were involved in politics and war, and were trying to resurrect society in a secular sense. When they had a deep conversion because they were living like atheists and went back to God and went back to their faith because they were at each other's throats and it wasn't working what they were trying to do. They just transferred their whole ideal. We will resurrect society, but we'll do it through the ministry of the faith. So he was explaining to Celine, they became friends over time. This is the vision, like through faith, we failed when we had no faith, but through faith, we can change society. And so, so he shares with her openly, she shares with him independently. And again, Hedwig is not one to share with her mother. So she was confiding in the same priest through her own confessions, her desire to give her whole heart and her whole life to God. And so he's bound by the seal of confession. And so he can't share. So at some point he accepts Hedwig's desire to, um, consecrate herself as a religious and he gives her and the community still has this this huge image of the Annunciation which he gives to her on the day that she pledges to follow through with this desire to give herself totally to God and then Hedwig of course needs to explain this gift from the priest and now shares with her with her mother her desire. So this brings this common movement in the heart of the mother and, and daughter independently of one, one another, kind of knits them together. So they go forward united in this desire. So uh, Father Peter now begins to work with both of them more openly, not through the seal of confession. And um, he imagines these two can... Um, establish a community of women. But he always feels, no, you don't get it. We get it. You know, we understand it differently than you're understanding it. And so sometimes it was a frustration at some points in our history, the uh, fathers of the resurrection wanted nothing to do because it was outrageous. So see, God writes straight with crooked lines. Mm -hmm. And then we begin to write straight with crooked lines because we're so close to God. He teaches us his way. So the fathers of the resurrection, like never before have we had a mother and a daughter start a religious community. This is outrageous. It's never been done before. And at some point, Celine says, so Father Semenenko says to her, you know, they're criticizing us. Everybody's against us. They're talking. Um, Celine says, we'll be sisters of the resurrection or we'll be nothing at all. He was trying to counsel them to join some other community. No, she said, we will be sisters of the resurrection or we're going to be nothing at all. Mm. He dies shortly after that. Father Peter becomes very ill when he's in, in Paris and he dies. And she has to go forward now alone, probably the darkest time in her life. So when you ask about our charism, our charism is the spirituality that fuels 
how we live and what we do. So it informs our ministry, but it is not our ministry. A charism is really the spirit, the spirituality, the way the Holy Spirit has formed our hearts to live for God and his purposes. So on the back of our profession cross in Latin, it says, through the cross and death to resurrection and glory. Every one of us experiences hardships and challenges and difficulties. You talked about yours, uh, Father, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you sure. have yours and I have mine. But our spirituality is all in the prepositions through mm. the cross and death to resurrection and glory. And we don't go through anything without God. We go through our hardships and through our joys with the love of God. And so the love of God is bringing us to resurrection and glory. So this is what we live. And as far as our, it does inform our ministry, but our ministry is very broad. Our ministry is to resurrect society through the ministry of the faith. And how we do that takes many forms, largely uh, the Sisters of the Resurrection. We're a universal community. So wherever we minister throughout the world, we're really trying to minister the, the faith itself, the good news that because God loves us, we do pass through the cross and death to resurrection and glory. And we do that largely through education in Catholic schools and religious education, but sometimes it's just one-on-one conversations, evangelization. We also um, do a lot of health care in our community, so largely health care and education in its many forms. And health care um, is really um, important to us because, of course, very often this is where we ready people for eternity, and therefore the real goal of our lives is to be united with God and the experience of being readied for heaven and um, the experience of resurrection. So um, when a young person discerns their call to be a, a sister of the resurrection, part of the discernment will become, and how can we use your gifts in order to minister to others? So we take who God sends to us and look at their capabilities and say, and how can you with your gifts and your abilities enter into ministry that will help them to live the reality of their life. Most importantly, that people come to know that we are loved immensely by God. And once we really know that with all of our being, then we know with absolute confidence, there's nothing we're going to go through that God's love is not going to take us through. And that his great desire is for our eternal happiness, you know, happiness we can't even imagine. So did I answer all your questions? Because I'm trying to get an A. Yeah, no, (laughs) very thorough. (laughs) Um, You were just mentioning, you know, when young people come and are discerning whether they're going to enter a religious life, um, what's like for young people who are listening who might be thinking of this, what are some little bits of advice you might give them? Pray. So the first advice, and I know this from my own life experience, that my first advice is learn to pray. And if you're not sure how to pray, how to connect your heart with God's heart, then go to someone, uh, your religious education teacher, a priest, someone who you know knows how to pray. Grandparents Mm -hmm. are great prayers. Um, But anyone you see who knows how to pray, go to them and say, teach me how to pray. That's what the apostle said to Jesus, right, Father? Um, 
teach us how to pray. They saw Jesus praying on the mountain. And what was he praying? He was praying the Our Father. And so the disciples who were young men, they went to him and said, could you teach us how to pray the way you pray? Mm -hmm. Because they saw that something was happening in Jesus's heart. And when he finished praying, he just radiated with the love of God, like a, a young woman who falls in love. And she comes home and the parents immediately know, mm. you know, where were you just now? Because you're just a different girl walking in that door. She goes, I found the man I'm going to marry. And she's just like so filled with light and joy. The same thing when you pray very often. I see this in, in community life that when a sister comes from prayer, there is about her, she has connected with God's heart and it shows in her radiance. I remember watching a sister in our community. I was up in the choir. This is at our, our provincialate. And she didn't know anyone was in the chapel because I was up in the choir and she was praying the stations of the cross. And I remember feeling I want to be able to pray the stations the way she did because the emotion in her face as she prayed was something mm -hmm. I wanted. And so what did I do when I prayed the stations of the cross? I tried to pray them with my whole heart because I wanted to feel what I saw on her mm -hmm. face. So first I would say to a child, learn to pray with your heart. Well, we can all use words, you know, like, um, the tradition of our, our church, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, but learn to pray them with your heart. What does it mean, for example, when we pray the act of contrition to say, oh my God, mm -hmm. and to take God to our hearts and make him our God? You know, I'm heartily sorry with my whole heart. I'm sorry. This is the way I teach the second graders to pray the act of contrition. Because when I was taught to pray that way, by each phrase, the teacher would take it apart to talk about what it meant. And she would teach it with such emotion. I learned how to pray with my heart, not just by rote, but right. really to engage my heart. Once a child does that, once any person learns to pray, after that, it's a relationship and it has a life of its own. So there's very little that needs to be said. And I think what happened to me is my relationship with with Jesus, my relationship with the Blessed Mother was so much fuller and richer and freeing for me than any other re relationship. So when I, I made the definitive yes to God, like, yes, I want my whole life and my whole heart to belong to you. It was because I knew that my heart felt fuller and more alive in that relationship than in any other relationship I had. Now, when I was uh, seventh and eighth grade, we would talk on the rooftop. That was our playground in New York City. We would talk about, oh, when I get married, I had the same conversations as my friends. When I get married, now my dad was a twin and my maternal grandmother was a twin, an identical twin. So on both sides of my family, I had twins. So I imagined I would have twins and I would always say, oh, I'm going to have like three sets of twins and <laughs> We're going to live on a farm because I lived in New York City. A farm <laughs> seemed romantic. Mm -hmm. And when I get married, I said, um, some of the girls would say, my husband's going to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And I would always say, my husband's going to have dark skin, Mediterranean look, you know, <laughs> dark hair, dark skin. And you know what? He does. There you go. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> That's funny. Um, since you brought up prayer for um, for all of us, but what is prayer in your community like? What is your daily prayer like? Okay. So um, 
we, and now I'm going to talk about our life here at St. Columba. So we uh, get up at five o'clock in the morning and we do this because we need some time for prayer before our day begins. And the first hour is for our meditation. So we look at the scripture readings of the day because we celebrate the mystery of God's love at mass each morning. So we look at the scripture readings of the day and we spend time privately meditating on God's word and trying to understand more deeply from our heart and deeper from our soul what God might be saying to us this day through his word. So after we spend at least an hour in prayer, private prayer, then we gather together in our chapel and we pray lauds together. And in addition to lauds, we also have community prayers intentions. We're praying for the people that we serve. We pray for the needs of our community and we are an international community. So we share those. Um, so whatever needs we're aware of from the people we uh, mingle with and serve and we lift up them in prayer. And then we come to the parish church for daily mass to pray now with our faith community. And there's so many, some on some days during the week, Father, you know this, it looks like it's a Sunday because we have so many gathered for daily prayer. Then after that, we socialize a little, depending. Some of the sisters have to run over to the Catholic school because yeah. that is their ministry. And so we, we share a little bit after Mass because we are a community of faith here. And then it's time to, I go back, the sisters have their breakfast in school. They bring it with them because they have to start school earlier. So I go back to the convent. I actually have the convent to myself. And there are any number of practical things that need <laughs> attention. This morning it was getting the shopping done, the grocery shopping done before um, we got together for this. But usually I use that dedicated time before I need to be in the office at 9 o'clock to read whatever book I'm reading for my radio show. Right. So um, when I worked for the superintendent's office, uh, Joe Zwilling came to me one day and said, how would you like to um, be on radio? And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Good. In two weeks, then you have to be ready. In two weeks, oh I'm goodness. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But the whole thought of it was like, wow. And um, so now I continue to do that. I am now serving here at St. Columba, but I continue once a week to host Pathways of Learning on Sirius XM Radio. So I... I'm committed to reading a book by Catholic authors and then interviewing. And I do that on Thursdays before religious ed. Mm -hmm. And it so informs my ministry. I love the fact that I have to discipline myself. And that hour is my discipline. Of course, life happens. You know how it is of being a mom yeah. and you have your plans, what you're going to get done. And then none of it gets none done because the kids get sick or none something happens. Or <laughs> So the same thing happens to me. Somebody needs me or there's a call or whatever goes on that. So there's some nights when I'm up later than I want to be finishing the book because oh gosh, I didn't have my dedicated hour of time. But when I was in formation, um, one of the sisters said to me, you know, you're not going to have time to do the necessary reading and study that is necessary and to be a sister. So you have to make the time, you know, when you're waiting for someone to finish using the shower that you're waiting for, bring a book with you and make use of every minute of your time. And, you know, I look back and say, that's why I can do what I'm doing now. I learn of 
except now I have a Kindle I can carry with me <laughs> and just have it with you because whenever you have to wait, you could be waiting online for your turn to uh, pay for the groceries, mm-hmm. pull it out and, and read. You'll get a page read before it's your turn and you won't even feel the wait. So I learned the economy of time and how to make good use of the little times in between. And God knew what he was doing because it serves that great ministry now. Well, beautiful. Thank you, sister. Uh, so we have just a few more minutes left. I think we're going to do sort of like a, a lightning round now. We got a couple questions <laughs> from some of our kids oh, good. Uh, who were excited to hear we'd be talking to you. So Alexandra has those questions. I do. So James would like to know what is the favorite part of your job? The fate of my job. So the favorite part of my job, I think I've already indicated is um, helping children to get to know the heart of God by learning how to pray. Okay. Um, This question was from, I don't know if it was from a child, but uh, what's it like living in a convent? Is it like a giant sleepover with friends? (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess so. We get into our nightgowns or pajamas at night together. (laughs) So probably it's a little bit like that, but it's like, you know, it's more like family. We think of ourselves as a religious family. So it's got all the dynamics of family life. We have to be patient with each other. Uh, we have to help each other. We cook for each other. We laugh together. We cry together. We do everything that people do who care about each other together. Uh, Sister Marie, um, you said you don't have a lot of spare time, but what would you do in your spare time if you had well, some free time? I don't have spare time because spare time is what? It's time. We all have the same amount of time. So for me, it's really how much can I squeeze into a day? <laughs> All of us, right? And there are lots of things I love to do. So one thing that has really caught on um, with us here at St. Columba, with at least three of the four of us, is we love to unwind by coloring. Oh, yeah. It's a very big trend, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And I, I really love the way it helps me to unwind after a vigorous day. And I especially love religious art. So I love... and. Um, I've interviewed some artists who have published books. Um, Daniel Mitsui is a particular author and artist, and he does the Stations of the Cross and the really classical images Mm -hmm. made for adult art. So I've colored his entire book, and it took me a long time. It's beautiful. I'm now working on another book, a reflection book, that also is Bible verses that Mm -hmm. are illustrated. So I would say I've always loved art. Yeah. Art, so that's one of the great things I love to do to unwind. Reading itself, the reading right. of um, author's books. Okay. It's great fun too. Uh, do you watch Netflix or, or any other TV? I don't watch Netflix. My understanding, and I may be wrong, but <laughs> my understanding is it involves an extra uh, price. <laughs> yes. And my ministry is in the late afternoons and evenings. So I'm really not available mm-hmm. for TV watching on most days, you know, the weekends being the exception. So I usually watch reruns and they're new to me because I never you've never them seen the them. Yeah. Time. So uh, we, we love the sisters. We, we enjoy television together and weekends is a better time for me to join the sisters. But we like, um, like we watched Downton Abbey. Yes. Um, the Midwives. We love that whole series about the midwives because it featured nuns. Mm-hmm. And we were in Catholic nuns. And so we like series like that, the long-term stories. Um, Sister Alice Joan and Sister Lucia have a little bit more time than Sister Kathleen and I. So they, they like um, cooking shows and um, 
So they watch other little things that, you know, we just are not. Don't have the time. Yeah. We yeah. don't have the time for. Whatever's on, on standard TV, you know, if it's decent. <laughs> yes, well, it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, the last question is from a little girl named Madeline, and she's three, and she wants to know if you like unicorns. Which is her way of saying unicorns. Unicorns. Yes. First of all, it took me a long time to learn about unicorns. <laughs> but my assistant has a special love for unicorns. And when I wrinkled my nose and said, why? You're an adult. <laughs> um, she explained to me like the, the story behind unicorns. And they're kind of like figures of, of hope. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what God said about nothing is impossible for God. So it kind of fuels the imagination and the heart with a sense of hope. Mm -hmm. So um, do I like the message? Yeah, I like the message. Great. <laughs> do you have anything, any last thoughts? I just remembered actually about the, the unicorn tapestry in France. Uh, I forget which museum that is. I'm pretty sure it's France. There's a, and I think there might be corresponding tapestries in New York as well in the uh, museum at the but um we'll throw up a, a picture on our facebook of the unicorn tapestry it's it's intended to reflect the life of christ oh, this unique unicorn. this unique being um un, unlike any other and yet in the midst of everyone and it's being persecuted it's uh but then it so there's a lot more to it i haven't thought about that in a long time um but yes yeah sister marie thank you for being here today any closing thoughts for our listeners oh yes you know don't don't stay away from god's heart because his heart is meant as our greatest gift and nothing is going to fill us more than the heart of God. And so no matter what it takes, make sure your heart finds God's heart because his heart wants to belong to your heart. Thank you. Um, listeners, stay in touch with us. We're, we have more episodes coming up. Uh, we're going to interview a parent of a religious sister. Maybe, maybe we're going to interview Mr. and Mrs. Connolly. <gasps> Perhaps. <laughs> See what it's like to have a son who is a priest. Um, so we're hoping for a nice little series here. So stay in touch with us, follow us on Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.